Hey there, listeners. How's it going? How about a little news and then uh, this episode of Random Encounter? Ready? Hope so, because it's happening. So first up, it's Tina Ola's latest entry in Crowdfunding Chronicles. This time she is focusing on Chrono Sword, which looks absolutely mind-bogglingly awesome. I don't know. It's gorgeous looking. Chrono Trigger means Dark Souls. That just sounds cool. So go check it out. See if it's something you want to support. We also have in the features department a new kind of feature, the RPG Fan Chapters, where we cover uh, a novel. This one was the Final Fantasy XV sort of ending retcon, whatever. I don't know. Additional story. The Dawn of the Future uh, that Peter Treisenberg looked at and read. And overall, uh, it's <laughs> yeah weird that we didn't get this DLC, but at least it's out there in some way. And it's uh, the reviews mixed on it, but it's still was a good read as far as I know. So check out the article and see if it's a book you want to dive into. Next up is another entry in the one-player missions. Uh, this feature comes from Caleb Curry, who was playing Shadows of Adam, which was uh, from something Classic Games, which I checked out their uh, kind of partnership with Retro Studios, Pillars of Dust. So they got a good pedigree for these cool-looking retro games, and Shadows of Adam looks really nice. Came out, I think, in 2017. And, uh, yeah, Caleb kind of took a look at it. This isn't really a review. Again, it's just kind of reflecting on the themes of the game and uh, how it kind of looks at RPGs and the whole need to prove yourself as a hero and what that means in terms of, uh, I guess, personal growth and such too. So give the article a read. It's, it's really great. Then hopping over into the reviews section, we've got a preview of Atelier Riza 2, Lost Legends and the Secret Fairy. Uh, it's really uh, like a big looking game for Gust. It's a, it's a really nice change to uh, the series, I guess, and uh, it's looking pretty flashy. So. If you want to see what Des Miller's thinking of the game so far in progress, then go give us a read. And then the other thing we have is another preview from Quentin O'Connor looking at the Persona 5 Strikers. Seems to be a different take on the whole Persona thing. I don't know much about the game, but it looks like more of the same if you want to go adventure in the Persona 5 world. And then we have our first review, which comes from Alana Heggs looking at Haven, which is a really lovely looking RPG that also has a couch co-op element to it. Um, the music looks awesome. It kind of doesn't have enough direction in where it's going, so you'll probably enjoy your time, but uh, you really won't get much out of it, I suppose. Either way, check out the review, see if this is one worth getting into. Next up is that title we were all waiting for. If uh, you're a Zelda fan, it's the backstory to what went on in the events of Breath of the Wild. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity was reviewed by Nikki Fukuri, and it's uh, really great. I mean, it's a cool Musou game. It's what you expect, a lot of enemies to beat up, and it uh, just seems like a really cool expansion of the story, and you're just going to have a wild fun time with it and not expect uh, much in the finer points, I guess. Our next review comes from me, looking at Star Renegades. I've talked about it on the episode, and now you get to read my review that it's out. Uh, I think it's rad. I gave it Editor's Choice, because it's a really cool game. Definitely could use a bit more story, but it looks awesome, it plays awesome. Go check it out. Our next review comes from our lovely friend Hilary Andreff, who has just been behind the scenes for so long, I guess in front of the, the microphone a lot, but has not done a review. But all of her time put into uh, proofreading our reviews has definitely made her a strong writer, and she took a look at that game Iron Danger, which she was on the episode talking about a few episodes back, and finally that it is live, and um, again, she liked it on the podcast, still liked it a lot when she finished getting through it. Uh, the strategy is great. Could use a bit more dialogue and character development, but otherwise uh, she thinks it's a really cool game with a really cool dive into the uh, folklore mythology that we don't... Well, I guess it's... I don't know. The whole world of the Vikings, I guess, is coming out a bit more. The whole Norse thing. But uh, yeah, any rate, go check out a review if you want to get more into that. Our next review comes from Emeritus staff member Robert Steinman, the Dark Souls of podcast hosts. And of course, what else would he be reviewing if not Demon's Souls on the PS5? It's our first PS5 review, and Rob, as always, uh, has plenty of good to say about the series. And uh, he gave it Editor's Choice. Uh, I mean, I guess former Editor's Choice? Whatever. Either way, it's a strong entry, a great opening title for the PS5. If you love the Souls-like the mechanics and you're just you're gonna love this game so go check it out and finally another review from nikki fakuri this time looking at a visual novel otome game uh, from idea factory that is pio fior faded memories which turned out pretty good it's got uh <laughs> has a few issues i think uh you know for a visual novel you'd think the dialogue and the writing would be really strong and there's definitely problems with that but otherwise 
Uh, overall, the game is pretty strong, has a great story and characters, so check out the reviews, see if these are uh, make or break issues for you, and if not, then you've got uh, another VN to get into. And finally, we have another music review, this one done by Adam Lurz of the Dreamscaper soundtrack, which was done by Dale North, and it is just lovely. It's just very melodic, you've been listening to it in the background, and I think, uh, yeah, if you just want something really nice to just chill out to and relax, this album's for you. And that's it. On to the episode. Number 203 we're up to of Random Encounter. Hello, fans of the RPGs. How you doing? Uh, it's me, Greg Dalmich, here to host episode 203 of Random Encounter with my lovely co-host, Jono Logan, over on the mic. Hello, everyone. Uh, Jono, uh, people can find me at Greg Dalmich pretty much anywhere. G-Delmi on our Discord channel. Where can they find you? Uh, if you have any emails you want to fire off to me, you can send them to me at jlogan at rpgfan.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jono Logan. Or, yeah, I'm on the Discord, too. Pew pew! Emails fired. Pew pew! Uh, yeah, we have a quick little simple episode. It's just the two of us. I have nobody else Nobody else special here. No one's hiding in the wings. Uh, this is one of those weeks where just no one else was available. Everyone was busy with life and scheduling and all that didn't really work out. I mean, we got into the holidays, I guess, so that's going to happen, which I guess we'll have to talk about holiday games and aspirations for next year sometime soon, won't we? Ooh, yeah, we should actually <laughs> plan that out. <laughs> Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, is would that be this week's episode? Uh, considering our next episode is coming out on the 25th of December, theoretically, um, yeah, we should probably uh, do that. Yeah, well, we'll talk about, a bit about our holidays plans, I guess. I mean, we had that uh, question kind of last week from um, Brightjus on Twitter, and we talked a little bit about that. But going into the holidays, I guess we can talk a bit more about what we're hoping for and what's going on. And we'll have Game of the Year coming up soon at the site as well, so plenty to chat about. But uh, yep. yeah, today John and I are just gonna yeah just talk about what we've been playing and what's going on in the news because uh, you know pretty pretty big deal games coming out very shortly uh, as of this recording. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, how you doing, friend? How's life? Oh, life is just life is life is continuing onward in the same trajectory it has since March. <laughs> uh, we're almost through twenty twenty. Your- it's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, I mean, we're kind of back on lockdown lockdown light i guess you can say yeah here in ontario um well in some parts of ontario That's in the true. part of ontario that i'm in um so who knows what christmas is going to look like this year uh we might end up going to amanda's parents we might end up staying here and having a good old-fashioned zoom christmas um <laughs> either way sense. i'm gonna make i'm gonna i'll i'll cook a turkey because i i have a thing about cooking turkeys i very much love love making a turkey so, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I see a that's cr- turkey. Christmas I gotta day. cook it. You, turkey, you're not safe. Just out in the streets, tracking down turkeys, cooking them. You're a menace to turkey society, Jono. Hey, that's what makes the new, that's what makes this season special to me. <laughs> uh, we were actually chatting about that too. Um, uh, for any vegetarians and vegans out there, we're sorry, talking about meat uh, is problematic, uh, but I eat it. Uh, and I was thinking duck this year, actually, because I think it's just going to be Annette and I. Gwen's at her dad's for Christmas this year. And we extended the offer since he's basically part of our bubble in our household because in Vancouver, uh, we're still in a very t- much more tight restrictions in so many weird ways because it's it's one of those strange things of um, trying to keep things closed but trying to keep things open. And it's just kind of confusing the choices that have been made. I mean, everybody yeah, – no, Go ahead. There is no national plan here. The states is basically yeah. DIY quarantine. Kind of, yeah. And it's not like, yeah, they do their best to enforce it. You can get fined and everything. So that's you know, real threats are there, but it's it's hard to police. I'm sure. Uh, I don't envy any of the decision makers, but everyone knows the meme uh, with the guy sweating over the two different buttons to hit. And they kind of did that mm-hmm. with Dr. Bonnie Henry, our uh, advisor here in BC, with just the whole like one option is like keep everything open keep everything closed and then there's a third button of like try and do a weird confusing combination of the two and that's mm-hmm. what she hits 
So <laughs> we're because um, it's just like uh, people can still eat at my restaurant, uh, which I have managed to not work at for like a month because I don't want to be there. And uh, but people can still go and eat in restaurants, but they can't have friends over. And people can still go to movie theaters, but they can't go see live theater or live theater isn't allowed to like, I, I don't even think a live theater is allowed to perform together to even do like a video show. Mm. I don't know. It's a weird, there's just things like that. That's like, again, I don't envy the choices they have to make, but uh, they're, I think you had said last episode, or was I talking to somebody else? I think it was you though that said on the last episode that after the end of all this is going to be a, what went right, what went wrong kind of discussion. After it all is said and done. Oh, yeah. But at any rate, we, uh, yeah, it's crazy to think that we've been in this since March. We all kind of hoped it would be done in the fall, and it's not. And uh, trying to figure how things are going to work through the holidays is going to be weird. But uh, let's just hope that everyone's responsible and we can wrap this thing up as soon as, uh, you know, the vaccines safely start rolling out and everything, which, again, won't be hitting the general public until, like, this time next year. But, uh, hmm. You know, if we don't do our part, hopefully we'll be doing good. So stay at home, play video games. That's what we're here to talk about. Stay at home, playing video games. Yeah, and there's other things you can do too if you want to keep healthy. Go out and get a flu shot. That's a good one. That's fair. Yeah. Actually, flu shots. Flu shots are funny. I uh, I learned something very important a couple of days ago. Uh, Amanda kind of came out of uh, came out of work and she was like, "John, the shoppers near us they have flu shots. We should get our flu shots now before they sell out." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So we went online and we signed up for like the, the pre-registration thing for flu shots just so we could show them our, our little barcode and we could just get right in. And we show up at Shoppers. It's like a 10-minute drive away from us. And uh, yeah, by the time we get there, there's only one flu shot left. But there is also the nasal uh, the nasal spray flu shot, uh, I guess, uh, vaccine. It's, it's you know, you, you it goes up your nose. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I have a long-standing, I think I mentioned on the show before, I have a long-standing fear of needles and shots. So I was like, this is amazing. Amanda can get the flu shot. I'll get the nasal one, which I've never gotten before, and everything will be great. So, uh, they're like, okay, you have to wait 45 minutes. So we leave for a bit, come back. Amanda gets the flu shot. Uh, uh, pharmacist sits me down and, uh, is about to, uh, give me the nasal one. And she says, just want to ask you just one or two questions. Uh, so you've done this before? I said, nope, never did it before. And she says, oh, okay. Uh, oh, you have asthma. And I'm like, yep. And she says, you can't have this. Oh, no. Say, <laughs> After and all I'm that. I'm like, why not? And she says, well, it's it's it can cause uh, wheezing. For anyone who has asthma, The uh, it can cause wheezing. Um, so, yeah, I didn't get a flu shot. My partner got a flu shot. So I'm depending on herd immunity, or at least until, the, uh, <laughs> oh, no. at least until they're available again. Yeah. I haven't got one it's in funny. years just out of sheer complacency more than anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I mean, every pharmacist I've talked to this year, the joke is that it's as hot as the new iPhone. But in this particular case, as hot as the new uh, PS5, because apparently, like, pharmacies are getting small batches. They're, like, getting 10 flu shots every, like, second week without announcement, without any announcements or anything like that. They're going through them in, like, a half hour. Oof. Well, mm. there you go. Uh, stay home, play video games. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, speaking of, I've um, finally taken time to catch up on my backlog, and I went back to Horizon Zero Dawn. I was in the midst of the Frozen Wilds DLC, uh, which is super neat, and finished that off and then just made a drive, because I was pretty much right at the end of the story. There was like a few little side things I kind of ran around doing, and then in the end I was like, all right, I've done enough. I'll probably New Game Plus this anyways, and I'll pick up the pieces I miss the next time through, but I was pretty thorough. I think I finished about 90-odd percent of the main game, and I think I'm at like 80-some-odd percent of almost 90% of Frozen Wild stuff as well, so I was pretty thorough. And That's great. That, yeah. I mean, that's not platinum, but who really wants to platinum a game unless you're like, you know, incredibly obsessed with it? I mean, I kind of want to because the thing Ooh. about platinums, if the challenges are neat and interesting... Um, or, like, clearly achievable things. If it's just, like, you know, kill 500 enemies, that'll just kind of happen. But if it's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, buy all the things, yeah, I can probably do that. That's fine. And that's uh, a fun challenge to kind of work towards if you like it playing the game enough. And, like, find these, you know, finding the hidden, like, story beats or interesting side quest stuff or doing special, like, maneuvers and stuff, those things I think are cool where it, like, challenges you to just try the different gameplay elements. But if it's just, like, 
you know, play through the content, play through the side content, acquire 1 million gold, kill 100,000 enemies. Like if that was all it was, it would just really tiresome and boring and I wouldn't care mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, that's the thing. If, and like, it also depends on what the reward for getting the platinum is. Like sometimes it's literally just like a little platinum badge beside your save file. And you're like, well, that wasn't worth it. Yeah, it's simply just bragging rights of it, saying you did it. <laughs> if there's story content behind it, I might be convinced to do so. Oh, in like, terms of, of like, who, pursuing it leads you down other adventure paths and stuff? Yeah, like, I'm the kind of guy who uh, will platinum uh, all of the sub-stories in Yakuza because it give, it unlocks a little bit extra story and a little bit more content if you do it all. So, yeah, I will put extra effort into doing that. Right, not by um, virtue of the actual trophies themselves, but just by pursuing the content, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, are any of the games tied to the trophies? And I was like, I didn't think so. But I understand what you're saying now. Yeah, exactly. If it's, again, if it's more fun gameplay stuff and it leads you to doing fun gameplay things, then I think, yeah, they're worth pursuing. Otherwise, it's just your completionist uh, <laughs> need, which is definitely a thing for me. But again, if the game is good enough, which Horizon Zero Dawn is, I would like to revisit it again uh, in the coming years to uh, probably try and platinum and go through in a new game plus, play it on a harder difficulty now that I'm maxed out my stats. I already actually did dive in right out the gate and played a little bit of the early moments, but uh, then I got onto other things. But at As any rate, it's great. It's just it's great. I know you were talking about picking it up when they released it for PC, uh, and we won't belabor this too long, folks, because obviously this game's been out since 2017. But uh, it has aged well, and I'm sure the new PC version is going to look good. Um, I know you're thinking of picking it up. Have you? You haven't yet, right? No, I haven't. Uh, well, when you do, uh, we'll I'm sure chat about it then too, and when, how your mind is being blown by it. And uh, we got Forbidden West coming out for the PS5. Yeah, I don't think they've given a date. I don't even think it's 2021 yet. Maybe it is. Well, I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn's been out on PC since the summer. Yes, that has. Yeah. And uh, as we're talking about in the pre-show, you were suggesting you wouldn't find it uh, out of the world of possibility for them to port that version to the PS5. I would not be surprised. No, that seems like it's a good way to earn a little bit of free money. Yeah, and uh, encourage people to pick up Forbidden West uh, if they only have the PS5 and they want to see what kind of came before. Because it's oh, just, again, it's aged well. In so many ways, now I'm starting to see a bit of the seams in, term, in terms of how the um, some of the capture acting goes, just like how limited some of the performance capture and stuff is. But again, there's it goes back and forth between some of the models and stuff are like so really so emotive and connected to the work, and then others are a little bit more stock movements and such. But overall, yeah. everyone gives such great performances that really fills out that world in such a wonderful, meaningful way. There's just like the few random side characters. I'm like, oh, I love that person. That person was great. And uh, just makes for a memorable experience on top of Ashley Birch's fantastic performance of uh, as Aloy. And Hmm. yeah, it's just from start to finish, the world that gets painted, like my mind was just blown by wondering how this world came to be the way it was and them telling about what, 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 what led the world there and uh, the whole cautionary tale of it all is very believable. It's like reading Oryx and Crake for the first time and being like, okay, this could happen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's it's good. It's a great game. And if for those who haven't played it, find it, play it. You can, I'm sure, get it at a song now on discounts coming up for uh, Boxing Day and such too on PS Store or wherever else you can grab it. I don't... Yeah, it just missed the Black Friday sales. Exactly. So uh, it's it's out there. And then, of course, there's the PC version. Where if you want to crisp it up a little bit, I'm sure that handles really nicely. Um, but I wanted to finish that off because then I was hopping into playing uh, another retro, I guess. But this one's far more retro. is Chrono Cross, back from 99, 2000. Ooh. And it is not aged as well, but it is a good game. Um, I've talked on our... Some would argue it wasn't well-aged when it came out, but okay. Well, <laughs> yes. It's, uh, I mean, it, it likely looked great at the time. I won't lie. Like, I can oh, remember it when all good, that stuff but... was cutting edge, and now it's just like, man, we've come so far since. Uh, Audra Bowling, who does reviews for us at the site, 
uh, is uh, as far as I'm concerned, she does all of the reviews for the site. <laughs> she's been doing a lot lately. Like, I've been, I, she released like six of them in like two weeks. I've been speaking highly of that on um, the pre-show uh, when I uh, drop the news. A lot of it has been the Audra Bowling Show, and um, we we have an app on our Slack channel for RPG fan called Donut, which uh, encourages one-on-one conversation with just random staff members who've signed up for it, which has been great over the pandemic. It's given me an opportunity to get to know a lot of people who I honestly just wouldn't have taken the time to reach out and make time to make a conversation with just going, hey, this person I've never spoken to, let's do this. You know, it gives you a little icebreaker question and then you just kind of chit chat and some questions and some conversations go longer than others. And I had Audra for one week and we talked about the fact that she's never played Chrono Trigger, but has played Chrono Cross. And for me, it was the opposite. And I was just like, hey, what if we, you know, as soon as we have time coming up uh, between review projects and stuff like that, would you want to uh, put whatever time you have into Chrono Trigger? I'll try Chrono Cross and we'll just kind of challenge each other to, to both finish them. And she was like, yeah. So we've finally started that. I think that she is in for a, uh, this is not a criticism of Chrono Cross, um, although I could criticize. I am not a fan of Chrono Cross. I'm just not. You've played it though? Um Oh yeah, I played it beginning to end. Um, not in recent years, but in like when it first came out, I had it on PlayStation and I played the heck out of it. I have um, somehow not been spoiled on anything except that there's there's a lot of characters, but otherwise I don't know much about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was always that was always I felt its greatest uh, weakness. That's what I heard. Um, but uh, I think that story wise, she. It, how can I put this? You are in for a few moments where you're like, oh, yeah, there's that. The games are so disconnected, narratively speaking, that I don't feel that. I had heard uh, that as well. Yeah, it's. I've it's, seen some references, which is neat. But uh, yeah, nothing else seems are, super there, tied. There are a few a few touches, a few little moments, and you'll, you'll see a big one later in the game. There's obviously, you know, it, it ties in the further in you get, as you would expect from a sequel. Um but I think that she's in for a better story experience <laughs> yeah. uh, because nothing beats nothing beats Chrono Trigger. No, I was gonna say um, I, th- I feel like uh, she won the she she drew the the better stick in this draw and uh, is gonna get a better experience over yeah, what I have, I, which is fine. I have trouble imagining ways you could. There are always ways you can improve on older games, but some games are just like fully formed. I guess you could say like they the idea of changing things in them makes it a little bit I don't know like for example let's take Final Fantasy 7 uh, and the remake I think obviously based on the graphic style and the content and everything Final Fantasy 7 had a lot of areas where you could expand it and grow it into the remake and it worked very well obviously people really like it Um but with Chrono Trigger, I have trouble thinking about, like, taking if they took Chrono Trigger and decided to do a full-out remake of it, I don't think they could really improve on a lot of it. They could deepen a few moments, maybe. Yeah, they could, you know, just get, deeper performances. Deeper performances, but realistically speaking, I feel the game as it exists is all that's necessary. Yeah, like, maybe, like, they could change the combat system for whatever reason, but it's unnecessary. They yeah. could add some extra adventures and stuff, which wouldn't be necessary, but be fun. It's more of the same, but it also risks then unnecessary padding. But yeah. uh, and it's yeah. not just because it's not just looking through rose colored glasses either, because I mean, I love Chrono Trigger, but I also love Final Fantasy VI, And I can't remember. I think there was an episode like 10 episodes ago of random where uh, where uh, Alana and I were talking about, like, would you prefer a like, what would you prefer in a, a remake of Final Fantasy VI? Would you prefer a Bravely? Or a, uh, would you prefer a uh, Octopath Traveler style or like a full Final Fantasy VII remake style? And I think that the Final Fantasy VII remake style would be really, really interesting for a classic 2D Final Fantasy game like Final Fantasy VI, which has a very a massive cast, epic story. Um, but I do think that game in many areas could be deepened, very similar to how Final Fantasy VII was. I don't think I would want the same thing for Chrono Trigger. No, Chrono Trigger at best could use like a, you know, it'd be fun to see it remastered in like a, like remade in a different engine, but that's really about it, uh, which, you know, projects have tried to do and been shut down. But yeah, seeing it in like a bravely default fashion or Octopath Traveler fashion would be very neat. But again, it's mm. not warranted. I feel like it would look yeah, good sometimes... actually in Octopath, in um, Bravely style. 
It would look interesting in Bravely Lee style. And I mean, this this works for a lot of things. I mean, they did it with Final Fantasy IV uh, for the, yeah. the DS Final Fantasy IV. Like, it still was Final Fantasy IV, but they did deepen moments. They expanded characters slightly. There was a little bit more backstory in there. Um, and some people love Final Fantasy IV's uh, DS remake, and some people loathe it. I I like it. I don't have anything against yeah, it. Yeah, what I've played is fun. I like what they've yeah, I had a fun on. time. I had a fun time playing through it again, but given my given the choice, I think I would still prefer to play the 2D version. Maybe not the SNES, maybe not Final Fantasy 2, <laughs> but one of the uh the Game Boy Advance version. Yeah, I could I could see myself playing that again at some point in the future cuz mm-hmm. it was my first RPG. Like, yeah, and so all that to be said, uh yeah, Audrey's in for a good ride, and I know I am too. So far I'm liking what I've played in. I've dabbled in a few years to a uh, couple hours of it. And I'm planning to do a long play of it for our YouTube channel. So we're just kind of sorting out technology for Ooh. that. But uh, it definitely has a, a learning curve of figuring out the combat. Like, I wasn't expecting it to be exactly the same combat system, but I was expecting it to be a bit more similar. But it took me a second and I had to do a little reading on how elements and all that stuff kind of work in the, the field and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I've, I think I've got it. And yeah, from there on, I'll just learn and grow from there. Mm-hmm. and you will and i mean it's not a bad game uh i obviously i'm not a giant fan of it uh i think i'd like it more if the word chrono wasn't in it but <laughs> cross yeah <laughs> the epic I, RPG. But I mean, that's i think that's the opinion of a lot of people a lot of fans of chrono trigger back in the day was like wow this is expectations obviously hurt a game and i feel like this is a very good game that was hurt by its uh expectations and its connection to chrono trigger and i think that if someone went in without that they would look at it and say wow this is a fantastic game and a lot of people will anyway yeah um and i i'm not trying to damper your enthusiasm about it because i think you'll have a very very good time with it i've owned it for a few years and i finally need to play it so yeah so i'm excited to hear your uh expanded thoughts on it when you get deeper into it Mm -hmm. yeah i'm excited um just right now yeah it's very early it's very cool very vibrant and goodness gracious this game needs to be uh, visually remastered if it gets the treatment that the other games have gotten uh, in the final fantasy series it'll be like a really great look on that game because it's definitely trying to push that system real hard (laughs) and it doesn't look great on 1080p there are a few uh i think there are a few mods out for it that do uh up the uh yeah the beetle upscaling thing if you had it on um if you had it digitally i just i'm playing it originally on uh on my playstation i have the original playstation version which i'm playing on a ps2 actually but uh, yeah i obviously can't upscale or throw any uh, mods on that but yeah if you had an emulator or whatever you can apply it and it looks real good with those i've seen some video gameplay of it and if that's what we are in store for when square eventually gets around to it great <laughs> and they will eventually get around to it yeah they've they've said enough i'm sure there's gonna be an anniversary at some point of both games or whatever that they'll they'll drop something yeah i mean they're, they're likely to at some point they'll announce the third the third installment of the series too probably right <laughs> yeah right chrono break we'll get it 20 we'll get it. it's gonna it's, it's question coming. mark at any rate uh what have you been playing well uh i mean i know that you were talking about a bit of an older game from uh 2017 uh but uh, I, I've been playing something considerably newer than that, which is uh, Fallout 4. Um, so I think on I mentioned this episode, in the last episode random retro encounter. Random retro. Uh, <laughs> I think I had mentioned in the last episode that I was, I, I, think it's, I think it was Cyberpunk 2077 has been making me a little bit, I, just, there's a bit of an itch for that kind of RPG style. Um, so yeah. I right, thought, yes. Uh, and you were going to dive back uh, into something. Yeah, and I was thinking I could either do uh, I could either do Fallout Four and mod the crap out of it, or I could do Fallout Seventy Six's new uh, new uh, character based quests with the characters in the world. And I decided to avoid the inevitable heartbreak and headache of Fallout Seventy Six again, and uh, went into Fallout Four. So what I did is I went on to uh, Nexus and I downloaded I must I think seventy six mods. So I like modded the crap out of this game and. My goal here was, I love Fallout 4. You've made uh, Fallout 2076. 2076. Well, <laughs> at some point, there's actually a lot of people who have modded fall, uh, who have modded uh, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 into uh, Fallout 4 in terms of its like 
weapons and stuff like that. But Jeepers. Yeah, no, I, I, I really like Fallout 4. I know it's it's certainly not the best in the series, um, but it is it does have some of the best mods uh, ever created out of the series. And I've done some extremely modded playthroughs of uh, Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas in the past, and I am a big fan of creator content. Um, some of it is, I mean, it's the same. It, creator content is kind of like the fan fiction of video games. Some of it is exceptional quality that could easily equal uh the source material and others is just hot garbage uh that you do not want to install on your system um so i avoided the hot garbage and i installed some of the most popular uh ones including a lot of fixes a lot of things to fix up uh some of bethesda's uh, some of the shortcomings of the game um so i i'm not going to list every mod that i install but I'll, I'll highlight a few of them that are just like if anyone out there Your likes Fallout picks. 4, yeah, likes Fallout 4 and they're thinking, oh boy, I wouldn't mind playing Fallout 4 again uh, with some of these mods. If you're looking to actually like play through it, uh, there are a lot of little mods that just make it much easier, like easy hacking and easy lockpicking, which just eliminate that hacking and lockpicking minigames. So if you can hack, if you can, uh, if you can uh, hack a terminal, if you have the ability, if you have the appropriate level, you can just hack the terminal. You don't need to play this stupid mini game where you're trying to figure oh, out nice. how many letters yeah or i mean i like game. that game it's a really cool mini game but like yeah there's Eventually. times where you're just like i just don't want to put the time into this when i know i can just do it yeah and i do find it funny that the like the lock picking and the hacking mini games are the exact same ones that were in fallout 3 like they're there's no change and if fallout 5 comes out i have an odd feeling that they're going to show up there again in the exact same uh way so yeah there were little things like that uh there was a great mod which it just it just makes the words on on uh, terminals appear faster so you ha don't have to sit there and just like wait for do -do 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 -do. it just goes and it's there uh it like improve max with visible maps with visible roads so you can see where you're going on your maps uh let's see what else uh see-through scopes improves the scopes of the game so there's no blackness around it you actually it looks like you're seeing through a scope um and a, a few other ones along those lines. And then I downloaded some texture packs because uh, I didn't want the game to look like Fallout 4 uh, as it did back then. I wanted it to look a little bit better. Um, the problem with that is Fallout 4 is not a good-looking game. Um, really? It is, it is just not. Uh, I remember when it first came out, I thought it looked, I thought it looked dated back then. It still looks dated. Um, Were they still using the, the same, like... It engine? Was the they're same engine as like Oblivion and Fallout Three. Uh, they're still using the same engine for Fallout Seventy Six. Well, I guess it would have been, or would they have upgraded at least to like whatever Skyrim was? Because Skyrim was was a bit different. Um, it has not been updated. It was first used in Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim. Then it was used in Four. Then it was used in Seventy Six. But it's gotcha. still it's the same yeah. kind of bones as what was in the Three and Oblivion as well. As I understand it, yeah, but the game just does not look good. It just doesn't. Uh, it doesn't matter if you update the textures or not. Then if you update the textures, then it's just like some parts of the game look slightly better. Kind of like, like Final Fantasy IX remake. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But like draw distances, terrible. Um, there, there's still... I, I, I was curious because I was playing it and I was like, there's a lot of pop-in going on. And, like, those those buildings over there literally just look like boxes. They just look like basic shapes uh, with not even textures on them. And I was thinking, well, maybe it was because uh, of the mods I installed. So I, you know, just turned it off, all off all the mods, went to the game, looked at it, and was like, nope, it's just Fallout 4. Um, so, yeah, I did, I did that so it would look a little bit better. I installed the unofficial Fallout 4 patch, so theoretically a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the uh, problems with the game uh, would be fixed, um, which I still find hysterically funny that Bethesda just depends on their fans to fix their games for them, uh, which they do. If you ever download, if you're ever going to play three New Vegas or Fallout Four, or for that matter Skyrim or Oblivion, make sure you download a fan patch because it'll make your experience a heck of a lot better. Um, but the reason why I wanted to download it is I wanted to play creator content, so I downloaded. Uh, as many of the highest ranked quests uh, as I could in Fallout 4. Um, and I was playing through a bunch of them. I haven't gotten through all of them yet because uh, there's a lot of creator content out there. But 
if you want, you can add upwards of like hundreds of hours to the game uh, that is of, in my mind anyway, is of equal quality to what Bethesda has released. And in some cases, better. As I'm sure some people Um, will know, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, some of them, some of the content that I I downloaded, which is like, I don't know, a real, real simple one, basic, which make it, it's funny how much this improves the game, which is uh, more where that came from, Diamond City Radio Edition, which it just dumps in like 70 more songs into Diamond City Radio, so you don't have to listen to Bongo 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 on repeat every single time you listen to the radio yeah, station. I had that with the, even in Fallout 3, like, I loved that radio station, but I was like, okay, kind of over the songs. Yeah. Can you give me some more? And this one does, it just, it just dumps in, uh, a massive amount of period appropriate songs that do not sound like they're out of place at all. And it, it just makes the radio station infinitely more listenable. Um, uh, other things like uh, better good neighbor, better third rail. Um, they, they have one for diamond city as well, which is diamond city in the game. I know you haven't played fallout four, but you have played fallout games. Yeah. Um, diamond city is Fenway park. And uh, oh, cool. it's, it's become, yeah, it's become a, a settlement in this game so it's it's pretty bare bones but and good neighbor is like it's a neighborhood that's very crime-ridden kind of place very gangster-esque so these mods just add to it they just add areas to it they make them a little bit more involved they add more stuff essentially um and it, it becomes it, it just makes the thing whole more immersive um other things like there's a place in the game called combat zone where there's a cage match and there are, are spectators and things like that, and that's where you meet a companion. Um, but in the game, you go in and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be like a cage match kind of thing, combat zone, where I get to fight against other... Uh, I get to fight against people for, like, money or items or things like that. And nope, you just kill everyone there. And it was very obvious that this was supposed to be that, and just Bethesda ran out of time. Oh. So, like, this is a mod. They tossed it. it. It works. Combat zone restored. So now you can go in and you can actually... It's a combat zone. It's it's an arena, essentially. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So these are like little things. But the big ones, the really big ones are the quest mods. And there are a lot of them out there of various various quality. Um, some of them I could talk about, like, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Fusion City Rising, which I've just started getting into, which kind of adds a new... Uh, a new later game uh, area and new new uh, NPCs, new companions, things like that. Uh, there's one called Depravity, which actually allows you to have like a fully flat-out evil playthrough rather than Fallout 4 doesn't really let you be evil. It really, you can try, but it really will kind of try to get you on the straight and narrow. Like the, the game's critical path is going to try to make you into a law-abiding citizen. Now, mind you, I'm a fan of that because I am a uh, ridiculous goody two-shoes in this to where my brother-in-law, whenever I tell him how I play Fallout, uh, he always says, you're playing the game wrong. (laughs) And I guess I am, but I'm playing a game like me. Um, (laughs) So these these mods, yeah, these mods are great. They're pretty big, but the mods that I really would like to uh, highlight today, um, and these are mods that I honestly think, if you're a fan of Fallout 4 and you have not played it since 2015, and you're like, you know what, I think I could really, uh, I could really, in first off, if you haven't played it since 2015, you're in for a real, like I said, you're in for a real hit when you install it on your system and you're like, wow, this came out in 2015. It does not look like it came out in 2015. It looks like it came out in like 2013, maybe, maybe four. It's, it's, it's not a good-looking game, like I said. But um, the mods that I really would like to highlight, um, there's a package of them. One is called Settlers of the Commonwealth, and another is called Tales of the Commonwealth. And they are essentially... Uh, they're not really quest mods, but they just add a massive amount of content into the game, where it is just random settlers will show up at your at your various settlements and you can talk to them and they will have little quests to get them to join you. Uh, brand new locations spread throughout the Commonwealth that are so well integrated into the game that there are times where I don't, I, I will, I will come upon something. And even though mentally I'm like, okay, this is modded. I know it's modded. There's a little voice in the back of my head that will say, is this Bethesda or is this fan created content? Because it's so close in terms of the quality of the voice acting, uh, quality of some of these little quests, uh, just 
random NPC encounters. Um, and it does one of my favorite things, which is it adds a whole bunch of new locations throughout the Commonwealth. And the best thing about Fallout in my mind, yeah, best thing about Fallout in my mind is just roaming the map and getting and finding new places and exploring them. That's, that's the, for me, that's dodging death stalkers, uh, death, death claws. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. It's been a while, but I hate them. (laughs) Yeah. Once I have like the entire map discovered, my interest in a follow game goes down considerably. I like the exploration of it. Um, and this, this just adds more of that. It adds more characters. It adds more locations. It adds more little encounters. Uh, Tales of the Commonwealth and uh, Settlers of the Commonwealth, I gotta say, they both blew my mind with the level of quality that it brought and how seamlessly it worked in them, It worked into the game. I, I would not have known that a lot of this content was not vanilla content uh, unless I was like looking up some of the things and being like, is this, is this person in the game? And I'd look it up and no, they're not. Um, so yeah, I, I recommend downloading those. The big one, and I mean, this is, if you ever do a search online for Fallout 4 modding, the probably the first thing that's going to pop up is something called Sim Settlements. Uh, and reasonably recently, a sequel to it called Sim Settlements 2 popped up. And what this is, it's a complete overhaul of the settlement system in Fallout 4. Now, I know you haven't played it, Greg, but um, the whole concept is there are settlements throughout the Commonwealth, and you can find them, and you can... Uh, you take them over and you can build them. Yeah, so, I saw uh, a bit the, of that. And so they, I always thought it was just the one base, but you get kind of build up multiple bases and multiple. Sites. Yeah, there's like, tw- yeah, there's like twenty settlements around the Commonwealth. Okay, uh, cool. Various, yeah, various areas, and you can find them. Sometimes you get them through quests. Sometimes uh, a quest giver who most people hate, called Preston Garvey, sends you to them to uh, to try to solve a problem of theirs. Like there was a kidnapping, or they're being attacked by ghouls, or something like that. And as you go, you you kind of build these up, and you can build supply lines between the between these various settlements. And the idea is sort of you got to build up the Commonwealth again. You have to bring civilization oh, back to the Commonwealth. Yeah, and it was a nice idea, but the problem was that Bethesda's build system. And I know that some people love to build in Fallout, but my God, it is a pain in the butt to build with. It's just not fun in my mind. Um, and if you are not an experienced builder, if you don't have your settlements, are just going to look like garbage. You're literally just going to like meet the bare minimum needs of various people, and that's it. And there's not really a whole lot of payoff to it either. Um, there's no real rewards inherent uh, in this system. So yeah, it was there, and yeah, you want to build up your settlements and stuff like that. But at the same time, why bother? Sim Settlements decided to uh, attack this head on. And it's right in the name. Basically, they just kind of were like, okay, inspired by SimCity, we're going to take that and apply it to the settlement system. And they completely overhauled it, revamped it. Um, and over the years of Sim Settlements releasing uh, various uh, expansion packs, eventually now it's the settlers can kind of take control of their own destinies. So there are a variety of plots that you can get. So there's like classic commercial, industrial, residential plots. Um, and you can... You can put a plot down in a place, and you can assign a settler to it, and that settler will develop that plot. Um, instead of you having to build a house for them, they can build their own house. Um, instead of them needing a job and you needing to build a store for them, they can develop their own store or their own bar. And that was just the base level of Sim Settlements. But over the years, it's built out into uh, new gameplay mechanics. Um, like, for example, uh, in Sim Settlements 2... Eventually, as you play through it, you get to unlock various... There's there's literally a technology tree, um, and you get to unlock uh, certain things. So at one point, you can unlock a so scanner. Better. Yeah, you can unlock a scanner. You can dump it down into one of the locations which you've cleared, and it will scan everything, and then you can put a mark a beacon down, and your settlers will come, and they'll strip the place bare. So rather oh, than you easy. having to hunt around for like all of the materials to build up your settlements, they can do it themselves. Which and makes be- perfect sense. Yes, and because of this, it creates a very organic experience where you no longer feel you're babysitting these stupid little settlements, and you can, like, leave Sanctuary, which is the main settlement. You can leave Sanctuary on a, a some kind of a quest, uh, and you can return back a couple hours later, and your city will have grown, and there'll be new services there, and there'll be new buildings. Um, and what's on top of this, there's so much customization to Sim Settlements that 
it's they're calling it like an infinitely moddable mod. And you so like people are creating new plots, new types of buildings. They're they're designing their own their own cities, for example. Like you they'll have their own city plans, and you can import city plans into Sim Settlements. That's right. So you can yeah, so you can build these settlements up like this. But for Sim Settlements 2, the big thing, the big change is that they've created an entire quest. So it's it's a story-driven quest now that not only it's not only fun because it's a quest mod and it's not only extraordinarily well acted. The main character Jake is as good, if not better than. And actually, he looks a little bit like you with a beard. Um, uh, I'll take it. it yeah, uh, it, it's extraordinarily well acted. So much so that again, you're like, is this Bethesda? Is this Bethesda or is this is this creator content? Like it, it, it's a really, really a seamless line there. Um, it gives you a reason to want to build up the settlements. It gives you a reason to want to build up the Commonwealth through gameplay and through story. Um, and it builds up a lot of a lot of factions that previously were underdeveloped. Um, so I was adoring it. Unfortunately, only the first chapter is done thus far. I've so I, I reached the end of the first chapter and I was it ends on a cliffhanger. And it's it ends on a cliffhanger that's so good that I'm just going to I'm gonna I'm not gonna delete my say I'm probably going to end, I'm probably going to stop playing Fallout 4 in, a, I don't know, a couple of days because I want to play through a few more of these quest mods, but I'm pretty much done. But at some point, as soon as the second chapter is done, I want to come back to it and I want to keep playing because it was, it was, it ended on a really good cliffhanger. <laughs> it makes yeah. uh, Fallout 4 worth revisiting. It Mods make Fallout 4 worth revisiting. Mods make Bethesda games worth revisiting. Um, the amount of replayability of a Bethesda game is is somewhat limited based on, you know, like Fallout 4, for example, there's the, the biggest headache of Fallout 4 and starting a new playthrough is there's this massive uh, uh, prologue where it's at the beginning of the game starts before the bombs dropped and you're playing this character and you have your wife or your husband and your son and you you run towards the, the vault uh, to hide and you get frozen for a couple hundred years and you come out and you have to find your son. Um, so it takes a while to get into the game, but there is a mod out there that is called, let me scroll down to it. Um, or did I uninstall it? Uh, start me up. Um, and it will literally trigger as soon as the game starts up and you pick your appearance, which is oh, great. say, this is a dream. I want to wake up or, uh, I, I, this is a memory. I, I, I need to, I want to forget this or, you can so you can either skip the prologue or you can strip out your character entirely and just role play as a random person in the commonwealth so you'll wake up as a traitor for example inside a shack somewhere on the world map with randomized gear and you can pick up the game from there playing through as this character so it really does open up role playing options uh, that the storyline of Fallout 4 restricts just by its very nature and I am uh, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, That's pretty dope. Yeah, it is pretty dope. So the game, <laughs> I, I think the game is exceptionally well done. Um, another thing that it does have in common, unfortunately, with actual Bethesda games is the level of bugginess. Um, I mean, I, I, I've, I've not researched a ton about mods, but I've always thought one of the reasons why Fallout games are so infinitely moddable is because they're so infinitely broken. Um, so I think there's a lot of like ways in to crack the game open and do what you want with it. Um but like I would be playing through Sim Settlements, for example, and the game would crash to desktop, and I would be sitting there thinking, "Was that Bethesda or was that Sim <laughs> Settlements too?" So, uh, yeah. In, in that way, the they've in that way, it is difficult to tell the difference between creator content and Bethesda actual content. But they're keeping it true to the experience either way. True, to, it's a very true to the experience thing. If it, it's not a follow game, if in the middle of a very important quest, all of a sudden you're just greeted with randomly your desktop. <laughs> Uh, well, for those of you who want to hear a lot more about um, Fallout 4 Vanilla, you can go back to back episodes of Random Encounter. Episode 101, uh, they went into depth on it. I think Rob played it a lot. And I forget. I feel like he's the same as you, where there's things he wanted to like more than he did and things that didn't work out as well. And any rate, uh, yeah, you can go listen to backlog episodes and uh, go see the thoughts if you want to hear a bit more about that one. Rob Steinman, uh was the review. Did the review on it, that's right. Yeah, and he gave it an 85, yeah, which so is you, exactly what I would have given it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, this all kind of, again, stemmed from uh, your your cravings uh, around the hype 
for the news of Cyberpunk 2077, and it's we've started getting our first reviews for it, and they're kind of all over the map, as you've been saying. I've, re- I've read a couple myself, uh, some are a bit more opinion PC that focus on a lot of the more problematic elements of the game and what's discussed in the game, less so the game itself. Whereas uh, I was checking out another review that, yeah, was much more focused on just the game itself and how it could have pushed things further with the cyberpunk world and such like that. Uh, I think that was from The Verge. But yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, we talked a bit on the pre-show how it was kind of like a, a lose-lose with in, in so many ways with this game because of mm-hmm. the amount of hype that's been building since 2012. Like, it was definitely... I, th- I think in so many ways it can be a success and probably is, but obviously player expectation has kind of doomed so many aspects for them. Yeah, it's... It is a lose-lose in a lot of ways, and I don't think that uh, CD Projekt Red has helped themselves, particularly with the way they have handled this launch. Um, it's... I've been saying for a long time, I think... I think I can't remember the exact wording, but there was an episode... Uh, there was an episode of Random Encounter earlier this year where I... I think I, I made a prediction where I was like, there is no way that this is going to happen. It was back in January. Wow. January of last year. Uh, I apparently called the cyberpunk delay. And yeah, I personally, based on everything I've read about it, I think it probably should have been delayed to 2021. And yeah, why, um, why do you think, why would you say that? Because apparently it's as buggy as a Bethesda game and in Bethesda ah. in its prime, it's as buggy as a Bethesda game. Um, and there's a lot of people out there saying, well, of course it's buggy. You're not playing the full release yet. It's pre-release. It's not coming out until the 10th. Which, yeah, we probably will get a day one patch, no doubt. Well, yeah, but I've also read that I got an almost 50 gigabyte uh, pre-day one patch. It's probably going to get another 50 gigabyte day one patch. And even if it does, it's a 150 plus hour game, and that's just scratching the surface. If you think that a day one patch is going to be able to fix every bug in a game that huge, little even a quarter of the bugs in a game that huge, you're deluding yourself. Yeah. The game is going to be a buggy mess for at least a year. Probably until they finally get to the PlayStation 2 Xbox Series uh, X releases. Even then, probably, it'll still be a bit buggy, and I, I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if those two releases got delayed after that as well. But, you know, if this is where they delivered the game after months and months and months of crunch, very publicly going back on yeah. their word. If I, I don't know. And it, even still, I know that a lot of reviewers, we still, we haven't gotten a code for the game yet. Um, chances are if we don't get one, we'll buy one because it is regardless. It's the biggest RPG of 2020, most likely. So we are obviously we still want play it. covering it. Yeah, we're sure it's not it like, it's not a train wreck. That's we'll say that like, it's definitely, it doesn't seem like it's like the worst game you've ever played, but no, the game's been getting between an 80, 80 to uh, eights and nines pretty much across the board. Yeah, I think the lowest I think the lowest I've seen was a seven out of ten, which mm-hmm. is still a great game. Um, and I feel like based on the reviews that I've seen, based on the bug reports that I've seen, uh, the bugs are dragging the game down considerably. Um, I think that it will be a better game when it is released on the PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X, because the bugs will be gone or at least severely curtailed. Fairly managed, um, yeah. But until that point, like, it, it's looking a bit like a disaster. And like I said, we haven't gotten a code yet, but even IGN, Kotaku, like, some of the big outlets, they're complaining they've only had the game for, like, four or five days. And unlike us, those sites are not, like, we have to finish the game. That's our thing. RPG Fan finishes every game we review. Um, but they don't necessarily need to. They just need to get into the game, deeply into the game, in order Deep to, like... the meat and potatoes get, of it, yeah. Yeah. And, like, four or five days into a game this big, that's not a lot of time. That's nothing. So, like, they're reviewing game, they're reviewing these games under a massive time crunch mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, they're um, not, definitely not getting that huge experience. They're getting through, like, 40-odd hours of it, and, which is still a lot of game. But I'm sure there's more to it, and figuring out how it all rounds out in the end is a big part of what kind of shapes the story uh, review. Well, absolutely. Like, I mean, as somebody who has who has crunched reviews in the past, yeah. it doesn't It doesn't matter whether or not, even if you are like, okay, I'm going to crunch this, and you put aside all of your editorial duties, you put aside all of your work duties, you put aside your, your actual job, and you just hit the game as hard as you can, 
like four to five days? Twelve, you can only play a game like 12 hours a day before your perspective of the game's uh, relative goodness or badness goes away and you just start to... <laughs> it's all a haze. You're just like all a cyberpunk. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the that's the funny thing about video games as compared to, like, movies or television. It's, like, you review it, you, you know, those are limited in time. Video games, the amount of time you put into them uh, can be considerable as compared to other entertainment uh, mediums, so... And the extra level of interactivity definitely can permeate things more. Like, there's definitely been times where I've put a lot into review and just been going, 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 and then... It, like it's in my dreams i spend up mm-hmm. my waking i like i wake up in the morning and i'm just like oh, i need to go hunt for this monster and monster hunter to get this gear because that'll help me with the next one also maybe mm-hmm. i should wake up and get coffee and stuff but like just those thoughts like they're just they're there the second you wake up like how do i optimize for the next thing because i think the last game i really like ground into like that was monster hunter uh world iceborne and mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah, yeah it, it permeates your existence if you're not yeah, careful it does. Like, I crunched Yakuza like a dragon, and then I ran headlong into a, a brick wall of being unable to use my save game, and that kind of thing happens. Um, and it's super, super frustrating. So you started running around the city and jumping into garbage cans. and <laughs> <laughs> That, yes, I, I just desperately needed to find, what was it? A, I, there was a meme. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like Kiryu. Kiryu at, uh, at, his, at his age in Yakuza 1 was like, I found a small child and I will take care of her. And then Ichi was, like, at the same age, being like, I found a half-eaten tuna salad under a car, and I'm going to eat it. And it was like, oh, there's <laughs> the difference between those two characters. So then, yeah, that begs the question. Did you run out through Toronto looking for a child or a tuna sandwich? Not without a mask, I sure as hell didn't. <laughs> We're in lockdown. Half-eaten tuna sandwich. Mm, probably has COVID. <laughs> I have an odd... I have this odd feeling that 2020 is probably going to be skipped in many... Uh, long-running game series in the future i don't think there's going to be yakuza games set yeah. during 2020 or we'll get an exact game that is just dealing with that it is pretty funny though in yakuza 7 whenever i would see like a bad guy wearing a mask i'd be like good on you buddy you know what's coming you want to beat me up but you don't want to give me the flu thanks i appreciate it um yeah yeah a- so cyberpunk 2077 yeah. where this is obviously neither one of us have played it we've both seen Mm -hmm. footage and read about it and stuff like that and there is a lot of controversy currently going into uh currently uh in the mix i mean i'm still gonna pick it up myself i'm 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 looking forward to it although for me it was never going to be a launch pickup for me in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and i probably will like you wait until it's on next gen consoles if i dive into those or i'll wait to yeah get it when it's on pc because my computer can handle it no doubt it's it's a cool looking game and despite some of the more problematic elements of it, it's still going to be a fun game to play. And I think some fan reaction has been incredibly unreasonable from what I've seen, which, you know, we, we saw a lot of that hit Naughty Dog as well. Like just folks calm down, just enjoy the games. It's, it's not their fault. <laughs> it's not the reviewer's faults. <laughs> I find it interesting how publishers and developers can cultivate certain fan bases and how in some ways they cater to them, in some ways they don't, in some ways they piss them off, in some ways they appease them and uh what's been happening with cd project red and specifically uh cyberpunk 2077 has been uh sort of a train wreck in a lot of ways with a lot of fans out there and in other ways like again we haven't played the game we've only the way they have been advertising you can pick your genitals and character creation which like, you know, well that's a, that's a choice good i'm glad that they're giving more choices and i i do see the potential of how that mm-hmm. could open open up uh, a lot of options uh, in terms of representation for a lot of people. Yeah, and that that's but, the great side of it. And I think that's what they're trying to go for, but it seems more of a, we're just doing the trendy thing. Yeah, and then also there are, like, really sexualized images of trans people throughout the game, apparently, which is like, okay, yeah. well, there's on the, the problematic side of the equation. So I, I don't know. Which, I again, I feel like think a- they're trying to be trans positive, but I think they just went... They, they doubled down how. in the wrong direction and they don't really know. Yeah, like it just feels like they lacked some uh, guidance with handling those elements. And they just wanted to put it in to say, we did it. We listened. We wanted to appeal to you. And that's great. That's a step. It's, it's a step in the right direction. But the step needs work. <laughs> I think that the bottom line with Cyberpunk 2077, we won't know it for months and months and months. 
Um, until the bugs really get ironed out of this game and the controversy gets put in the rearview mirror and uh, more people can really delve in and actually get through all of the content, I don't think... Like, people are saying this is no Witcher 3. Well, I mean... To be fair, neither was Witcher 3 when it first got released. We're looking at Witcher 3 through not even rose-colored glasses. We're looking at it as it exists now, not when it first got released, which is before all of the DLC and back when it was, in many ways, a buggy, buggy, buggy mess. You can't... A game this size, whether it be Witcher 3 or Cyberpunk 2077, is going to release with bugs. It just is. It's impossible to cover... Uh, a world space that massive uh, without missing a few things. Um, and it takes it takes a year or more of fixes and patches and things like that to make sure that the game is smooth and delivers the experience that you want. Which is unfortunate now, in this day Which is age. very unfortunate yeah, at this like day That age, shouldn't be but, the climate, but it is. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why I personally believe that Cyberpunk 2077 should have been delayed a few more months. It's not just, it's not right. just, I mean, on a purely moral level, they shouldn't be crunching their employees, but on a purely, uh, on a purely like game quality level, if you're going to spend that many years building this epic game, that's one of the largest games and largest game worlds ever made, you want to make it as good as possible. And I, I feel like because of COVID and a lot of other things, they have been denied that opportunity, but also because of their own behavior. And that's a real shame to me. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. I haven't yeah. played it yet. You haven't played it yet. No. And we're, when we do eventually play it, we might love it. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to the discussion on that. I mean, there's a few mm. games that have come out recently that I want to get into and get discussion on. Like, we got uh, Age of Calamity, which looks really cool, too. And I want to try that out. And it seems to be performing better than the initial demo did. So uh, I'm excited to get into that. Nikki gave it a great review. She really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it looks promising, and uh, I mean, I did just dabble into Sekuna of Rice and Ruin. I'm not going to get into it on this episode because I'm pretty early on. Uh, it's been out for about a month now. Which shout out to Derek Heensbergen, former host. He localized on that, and uh, so far I've gone about four hours into the game and pretty early in, and it's it's well written. It's a good game, so I, I want to talk more about that. Either way, there's some cool stuff that's coming out, like cyberpunk that i'm hopefully uh by the end of the year when we get into our end best of the year roundup and such we can have some bigger discussions about some of those games that you and i missed or uh or have had time since pick up but uh yeah we're gonna i guess start finishing off this episode with uh an email we got from ton uh back uh when i asked for them back in november we just haven't had a chance to get to listener mail and stuff we're trying to keep it to one at a time we had a question last time this time uh, Ton sent greetings to us, just kind of, it was less of a question, more of a, hey, I like RPGs, and that you've got a podcast about it, and uh, he wishes he had more time to play them, but obviously life gets in the way. But uh, he was um, specifically alluding to the fact on 200 we talked about Final Fantasy IX and just saying how he loves the game but has never had the time to finally finish it, and now it's obviously hard. Uh, I was going to suggest Ton... But then he was also talking about um, playing it in Brazil. Since he's Brazilian, um, it's hard also to play it. He plays a bit through slower since it's English isn't his first language. Uh, although this email he sent me would belie otherwise because you, you seem to know English well, Ton. So don't uh, yeah, it's, judge it's yourself. A, it's a well-written email. Yeah, exactly. you say that uh, the first time you played it, you didn't know anything about English, which means you were playing Final Fantasy IX for the gameplay. Um, yeah. which is, I think, a great idea. It's a great, it's a solid Final Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but he says he got a copy on the Switch, which is great, and that should also help him be able to uh, manage his time better these days. Mm-hmm. So that definitely lets you uh, dive right into the meat and potatoes of the game much faster. And if he throws on, if you just level all your characters up, you can just rip through the story if that's all you're cared about, caring about at this point. But uh, yeah, if it is more for the gameplay, then there's stuff there to help either way. And uh, that being said, since you already have it on Switch, if you did want to get it in a different language, John, I think you looked up on Steam. There, there was a is it a fan patch or was it an official patch for it? I think it's a fan patch. Yeah, so I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of fan translations, and obviously, <laughs> obviously into English, but there are fan translations into other languages, and there have been some apparently very high quality uh, translations uh, into uh, uh, Portuguese. So. 
I'm not going to provide the links because obviously that's a little bit, you know, gray area sort of thing. Yeah, but they're there and if you want them. They're there if you want them. So if you type in like, I don't know, Final Fantasy IX, uh, Portuguese translation, fan translation, it should be a fairly easy thing if you ever bought the game on Steam to uh, import a fan translation. So you mm-hmm. could play the game in Portuguese. I'm assuming you're... I really hope I'm not mistaken. I do believe it's Portuguese in Brazil, right? Yes. That sounds right. I think you're correct. Uh, I would I would but feel... But I cannot recall 100%. Yeah. I Well, if if not, I tremendously... I apologize profusely, but I'm... Uh, if you wanted to get the storyline in the same detail as uh, native English speakers are enjoying it, um, yeah, I, I would bet that there's some pretty high quality uh, Portuguese translations out there. You just need to yeah. find the right one. Dump the they only file. Have in. Spanish supported on the Switch version, which I'm sure there's enough crossover to parse together. But, but if yeah, it's not the same as I understand now. Yeah, so, Ton, yeah, if you uh, if you look it up, you might be able to uh, enhance your enjoyment of a game that you already adore um, <laughs> with your entire body and soul, as you say. So, who knows? You might be able to play mm-hmm. it. Or maybe you already have. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair, too. Uh, yeah, because that was back in November. So, hopefully, Ton's found time. If not, the holidays are coming up, and hopefully uh, everybody can just sit down and get into something they want to play. I'm excited to get to, into more Sekuna, more Chrono Cross. And I actually went back and was dabbling with Monster Hunter a bit, too, which... Um, We'll talk about in a future episode. Random aside, looking at the Switch site because I was looking up the, uh, there sort of the Nintendo site, looking at the language thing. The Mandalorian is in Fortnite. Gosh, that game! It's got pause and everything. I'm impressed, yeah, but also it they, sickens me. But I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, they just wrapped up their uh, entire Marvel thing. Man, their Marvel that, crossover. That is, uh, and even then, like I doubt it's even them having to do as much as the work. It's companies wanting the marketing. It's mm-hmm. that's it's a. As a whole engine. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it right now. We got the holidays coming up, so we'll talk more about, I'm sure, more things. Um, but in other news, if you want to email us like Ton did, you can do that at podcast at rpgfan.com. I've also been getting uh, emails for a retro encounter. Uh, I will forward them off to Mike. But uh, yeah, we are podcast at rpgfan.com. Retro encounter is retro at rpgfan.com. And uh, that was more specific to them. We have uh, Retro Encounters, another podcast we have. We have Rhythm Encounter, if you want to go listen to video game music from the RPG oeuvre. Uh, we just had a fantastic episode come up of um, female-only composers, and I think that's going to spin off into much more uh, centered episodes on the specific composers themselves, which is fantastic. And we have uh, Hat and Eric with the Phoenix Edge podcast, so you got lots to put in your ears over the holidays or uh, whenever you want. I'm not your real dad. Listen, you, you listen whenever you feel like it. um uh i think that's about it uh you know rate us on on wherever you listen to podcasts get us more visible give us comments and feedback we will take it because uh yeah the more people that get rpg fan content in their ears uh i don't know if it makes your lives better but for me uh you know we're pretty pretty cool people i think it makes 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 our lives better better. i think the more rpg (laughs) content they get in their ears their eyes any other orifice it's it's all good <laughs> this is no longer the Rob Steinman show. I will not go down that road too d- deeply, but uh, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I'm sure there's places you should not be putting your cartridges. We already went through the fat of people tasting their Switch cartridges. Let's, let's just stop it there. Uh, for myself, for Jono, uh, you know, uh, thanks, thanks for putting up with us. There, we've <laughs> if we haven't lost you yet, then. We won't lose you ever, I guess. Uh, thanks for being on, Jono. Have a wonderful holiday, folks. <laughs> Talk to you all soon. Bye for now. Bye. Let's do the thing. Yeah, let's do this. If only. I'm not going to ever acapella our theme song. That would be terrible. <laughs> Ah... Uh...